People are fascinating and I believe that everyone has a story to tell of their travels, hobbies, passions and experiences. I want to get those stories told so they can entertain, inspire and showcase the amazing talents of people and giving you, the listener, food for thought. My guests have taken risks, put themselves out there, created businesses or taken their passion to the next level. I feel very privileged and honoured to tell all those stories in my All About You podcast. Enjoy the conversation. Welcome to the All About You podcast. And today I'm very excited because I have my first husband and wife team. I would like to welcome back Sandra Bruce from a previous podcast and she has very kindly offered her husband as well as a guest today. So Sandra and Santi, welcome to the podcast. Thank Thank you. you. (laughs) Let's talk about how you two met and you've got a wonderful story about your engagement ring, Sandra. Right at the beginning, where did you two meet? We met in Scarborough in Yorkshire. It was about 1968 or 69, uh-huh. and uh, I'd got a job at the restaurant as a kitchen porter, which later became half waiter too, and Sandra was doing a summer job uh, while she was at school. We met on the stairs. We, on, we met on the <laughs> stairs while I was cleaning them, and later on we coincided the staff dining room. We were having lunch together, everybody had finished. Uh, there was only Sandra, one side, a girl called Diane in the middle, and myself. And I fancied Sandra, so I started to asking her if she wanted to go out, etc. But I was quite nervous, and I she couldn't follow or understand what I was saying. My English got a bit funny. So the girl in the middle, Diane, turned around to her and said, I think he's asking you out. <laughs> So Sandra got a shock, gathered her plates and and cutlery and said no and ran away. So that was it. But later on, before closing time at six o'clock, her good friend Dallison came to the kitchen while I was tidying up and said, listen, Sandra has changed her mind. We'll meet tonight. I'll go out with Mike Gilder and you go out with her. See you at seven at the Odeon in front of the station. So that's the way we started. Oh, what a romantic story. <laughs> so, Sandra, what made you change your mind about Santi's offer? Do I have to be honest? No, okay. no, make, make, make it up. <laughs> no, no, I'll be honest, I'll be honest. My friend Alison really wanted to go out with Mike, but she said, come on, let's go as a foursome. And I said, oh, okay. Uh, he, she, she was very, very beautiful tall, blonde, big blue eyes. And whenever we went out together, she got the handsome guy and I always got the short guy. And I got the short guy, but he was handsome. (laughs) And how many years have you been together now? Nearly 50. No, 52 married and three because I was 16, I think. Yeah, uh, 54, 55 years. So So you picked the right girl, Santi, didn't you? Yes. You met? Uh Yes, we met. We started uh, going out uh, after work, etc. During the summer, this first summer, Alison was with Mike Gilder, 
but the next summer she was with uh, somebody else with Peter Peter that was our best man in the end yes yeah. and this Peter happened to have a small milly a mini car oh right mini yeah. cooper so they came round to Sandra's place collected us we were already there uh, waiting took us to the town centre but on the way they argued so much that every time when we got to the town centre I begged them to let us out they go their <laughs> way and we went our, our way so uh, there was an age difference in age uh, about five six years because she her birthday is late December the next year we got engaged and in 1971 we got married yeah. we got married in, in Church town. of England yeah. Yeah, Paris remember Church when, when we got engaged well he asked me to marry him and at that time I was what 17 yes. and I said okay <clears throat> yes alright I'll marry you but in England it's traditional to give your fiancé um, an engagement ring and he said oh right and I said, and a good engagement ring, because I was under the false impression that perhaps his family had a lot of money, because his family, uh, I was brought up in a council house, um, very nice council house, nothing against it, but we never owned property, we didn't own a car. Talking to Santiago, <laughs> his father had a car, they owned the house that they lived in, they had fields in a village and another house. So I didn't think that uh, he had any financial difficulties. So I said, um, I Let's can't go, go back to school. Yeah, I can't go back to school saying I'm engaged if I haven't got an engagement ring. So he went out and he bought me my engagement ring, which is still on my finger. And when he had to come back to Spain for the September exams at university, uh, I said, I'll, I'll see you off uh, at the station. He said, no, 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 don't, don't bother because we'll both start crying. I'll go on my own. So he went on his own. What I didn't know is that he didn't... Didn't have... head for the station. I head for the <laughs> road to York and started hitchhiking. And it took you how many days? Well, two, three days to get to the channel to the English Channel, and 13 days to cross France, and about three more days to cross part of Spain until I arrived to Valencia. Because of the love of a woman, you spend <laughs> all your money on an engagement ring. No problem then. <laughs> I mean, that is a beautiful story, and the fact that you are still wearing the same ring. Yes, it still fits. She was definitely the one, Santi, wasn't she? There was no doubt about it. That's right, that's right. Especially yes. after spending his savings on an engagement ring. <laughs> that is no a doubt. wonderful and story. sleeping in fields all the way through France. And well, just... it was funny. At that time, when you got to London, for example, and you wanted to leave London, you had to queue. There was a long queue of hitchhikers outside London taking turns. So you took your place until they picked you up. The same happened to a larger scale outside Paris in France. And you made friends, you met, saw people, you saw them again later on on the road. And that was in France, for example, I 
just from the channel I went to Paris and then I went through all the to Orleans, Poitiers, Blois, all the castles along River Loire down to uh, Bordeaux and then from there to Biarritz and, and, uh, and Spain. Then I crossed the border in Spain. Mind you, in Biarritz I had to leave the town running, chased by the police. Been given a lift by two Californian boys, surfers, long blonde hair, no shirt, jeans. They were driving a Volkswagen, a small one. They had bought in London very cheaply. And every time it stopped, they mended it with wires. They were quite good. <laughs> it took us a long time to get to Pierre And we were very hot. It was summer. So I saw a notice there. It says, House of Baines, the baths, Maison de Belle. And I said, what do you think? We could go there and have a shower. They said, oh, what a good idea. So they parked the car properly. And we walked our way, got into the the bathhouse. There was nobody. We started, hello, hello. Who's here? Hello. And then two beach policemen stormed into the place and started shouting at us, Allez dehors to the suite, out of here quick so they turned around and one of them pushed one of the Californians he nearly fell and then I said that's not those are no manners c'est son pas de manière so they got very angry got their their truncheons out and went after us so we started we left the place and they chased us for many streets I was carrying my my rucksack quite a heavy one and we were running and we arrived to a road junction two streets one on the right one on the left so I said to the Californians in English you take the left and I'll take the right so we did and after a while I realized that nobody was following me I was outside the town uh, on the road and so I continued walking and trying to get a hitch but I left Biarritz like that. Later on, Sandra and I have been to Biarritz and uh, we've visited it properly, but then it was just uh, in and out. He was always running in front. Always. Well, in Valencia too. In Valencia yes. was always, even I've run in front of the police in, in 71 mm. when he said, come, come to the faculty. It's all right. There's no problem. When we got there, there was a big problem. Actually, 72. 72. 72 yeah. Oh no, 73 because you were quite pregnant. Yeah. That's the fastest I've ever run. Yes. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, yes. You know, <laughs> Blasco Ibanez yeah. <laughs> used to be Avenida de Valencia al Mar. Yeah. And there's what now is the Faculty of Geography. Mm -hmm. It used to be just philosophy and all the uh, branches. And the police were in it every other day. I had classes and she came with me. She was quite pregnant and the faculty happened to be taken by the the riot police the la policia nacional so at the door there was a policeman opened the door and i and said what do you want and i said i've got a class i've got some notes here for the the pupils and he said let me see so he started it was a, a leather leather bag quite suspicious 
and the notes were sets of uh, the the topic was the manifest of the Russian uh, futurism, very suspicious. So he held me like this and called his lieutenant. But at that time, fortunately, some students from the balcony up there dropped a bench that crashed on the on the floor. And so the lieutenant and that policeman got distracted and I got Sandra and I said, jump. We jumped into the side garden and ran like hell. <laughs> oh, my God. No, he's, he's little, but he's a troublemaker. Really. Yeah, no. I used to be. <laughs> so you were a professor in the university? No, I was a student. Oh, as a student? It took my last year wow. to, to finish. Mm. We, when, I mean, we, when, when we got married, I mean, we... No, we got we married. We didn't plan it very well, did we? No. We got married and we stayed in England, but there was a, a moment when I said, listen, I don't know whether I have to go to the army or not. I haven't finished my university training and I would like to finish it. Shall we go to, to Spain? And she said, all right, we'll go there for two years and then we come back. And I said, okay. It never happened. <laughs> so we came here and things started going Differently. So, Santi, where were you originally from? I was from Castellón. Okay. Near Valencia. Yeah. But I then I lived in Valencia. I left my parents' home when I was 16 to go into a religious order. I got my... I was a novice for my initial training here in Valencia partly and in Albacete, down south. And then I went to some more years to Navarra, a place called Tirache. There was a big study. We studied philosophy and lots of things. But at 16, though, Santi, how did you make the decision to go and do religious studies at 16? That was, that was very popular in Spain then because it was, was a way the... of getting a good education. Right, I understand. But I was one of the oldest ones to join the order because most of my colleagues had joined the order when they were 11, 12. I finished the first, first part of my studies, my secondary education, and then joined the order, the religious order, Escolapius it was, before starting the second part, the second leg of the secondary education. Because even 16 sounds incredibly yeah. young to believe in the family, but as yeah. you say, back it was in the very, day... Yeah, it was very popular that families had at least one, a nun or a priest, or, I mean, his his mother was delighted, etc. Then, then he married... She was very she, miffed, quite um, disappointed when I left the order five years later. Yeah. But you, you continued those studies for five years. Yes. H how was that for you? Did you Quite enjoy that? Interesting. Or? I had time to study, read, and uh, think a lot. The system was quite different. It's like, have you heard of in Nepal or Tibet mm -hmm. that families send the boys for some years or some time with the mon monks? Mm -hmm. yeah. They learn to read and write. Uh, Etc. And they then they similar. can leave. It was quite similar. 
we got up for all those five years. I got up at bang uh, on six o'clock in the morning, went to bed at 10 o'clock. We were allowed very little time during the day to for conversation, to talk. It was study, pray, sport when we had to do sport. And, uh, for example, the meals, lunchtime or supper time, we were eating and at the same time somebody was reading to us. The first part of the meal in Latin, the second part of the meal in Spanish. Two different lectures. The, the one, the first one ate after he'd finished his half, and the second one had eaten very quickly before standing on the on the place. And that was for supper as well. And and then if we were good at the end, odd days, the superior would ring a bell and give us permission to talk for about 10 minutes <laughs> so for five years then you followed a very strict yes, schedule yes yes mm. in in that environment yes but it was very very common here very very common here and particularly with lower middle class it was a way of giving in the country the in villages education. in villages some families with some kids they had recruiters from the orders who went round and said, you want your son to study? All right, send him with us to our college or to our place and he'll be able to... You have no money to uh, to pay for his studies. And they played on the, the statistics on the average. From all these people, some will stay with us and the other will have members. And that's the way it's... Yeah. That is so interesting because, as you say, rural families get this opportunity of a good yes. education. Yes. And, of course, they're going to take it. They're yes. going to take it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it was very, very strange for me when I arrived in Spain uh, to see uh, photos of Santiago with his... Cashock. Uh, <laughs> you were in the order for five years, but you didn't finish your studies. No, no, no. In the end, I just... Decided to, I had already taken vows and everything, the whole lot. And then I decided that that wasn't for me. I wouldn't like to be all my life living like that in a community with uh, priests and lay brothers and all that. At that stage, you had to ask Rome for permission to leave the order. That's uh, so I wrote the papers. They sent them to Rome, to the general to the, no, I don't know whether it was the Pope or the general president of the of the order. And some weeks later, they came back. From that to marrying a... No, it, a took, it took me... <laughs> no, I, I left the order in 1965, and I met you in 1968. So there was some time in the yeah. middle. In but between. Um, you can imagine for his family what a shock it was when he arrived in Spain with his 19-year-old. When I arrived in Spain, I wasn't even an adult because the... The uh, law was different. You had to be 21. So Santiago was my tutor. I wasn't allowed to travel if he hadn't signed. No, women couldn't do anything. Women couldn't do anything. And the shock for me, yes, was... No jobs were uh, were given to women without the signing of the husband. 
He, he was no traveling, yeah. no buying property or anything like that. I couldn't open a bank account. I was really ignorant. I didn't know what I'd got myself into when I came. And the fact was that when when we tried to sort our papers out in Valencia, they told us we weren't even married. And I tried to get both religions to agree. Before we got married, I went to see the Catholic parson in, in Scarborough. We had already a date with the Anglican, with the Church of England Church. And he was very, you know, can't, the Catholic priest was very contrary. Can't be done. I have to uh, officiate the ceremony. We've got to ask the bishop for permission, this and that. So he went facilitate anything no so in the end after two or three visits he said well and now i'm going on retreat i'll be back in a fortnight so i decided not to go back to him we got married in the church of england with uh, mr tubbs yeah, uh, yeah. married yeah. us yeah. and then i forgot about it no because we could have gone to the consulate no it was far away so we came back and when i tried to just get the family, the family book, book or yeah. document for her, etc. So oh, you're not married. You're not married. So we had six months. Well, Santiago yeah. had trying to get a. I had to for six months. I had to go and beg at the archbishop's palace next to the cathedral. Uh, I had to pay frequent visit visits to the canon who was in charge of uh, mixed marriages and. He also was ill. He'll come back. <laughs> what they say, mañana, mañana, next week, next week. So in the end, after six months, we got a letter from the archbishop saying that it was all right to be a mixed marriage with another faith. They had detected a small hitch, a little mistake in the marriage. So we ought to get married again just in case. <laughs> at Cautelam in Latin. So we did. We did. And it was we got married six months later? Yeah. Eight, eight, six months later. Yeah, we didn't tell anybody. <laughs> we just before she went to work, before I went, went to, to, the, work, yeah. to class, we, we got married, we got married uh, in our neighborhood. The parish had the same name as St. Lawrence's, here and St. Lawrence's there. And then we got married, and after that we we went back from there the priest gave us the certificate signed. So we went to, to court. The church looked at it and married us there, there and then and gave us the family book. And then from there, we went to the police station in Gran Vía, Ramón yeah, Cajal. I'll, I'll tell that part. You, you couldn't have dual nationality, so we had to go to the national police and I had to have an identity card, a Spanish identity card. And he was used to dealing with the, or trying to avoid dealing with the police. I was still like, there's nothing wrong with the policeman. Like in, in England, like the bomb. At that time, the terrorists, yes, ETA, was, were killing um, people. Yeah. So the police station was policemen with a machine gun here yeah. at the door another one in that doorway, yeah. another one across the street. And when you went in and they asked you, what do you want? ¿Qué quiere usted? 
yeah, with resting the machine the, gun resting. the muzzle on your so, belly. Yeah, so we, we went in and we asked, the identity cards were made and, there were, and we went to a desk and there was a huge fat policeman, so fat that his fly was open to allow the stomach to rest. And he said, what do you want? And he got a sheet of paper into the old-fashioned typewriters. And we gave him all the papers. We'd had my birth certificate uh, translated. We'd had the marriage certificate translated, everything. And Santiago handed over his identity card and he started writing. And Santiago told me, don't say anything. So he said, name. And Santiago said, Sandra. And he said, she will speak. So, and I said, didn't I, I thought I hadn't got to say anything. He said, no, you've got to say something. So he said, name, Sandra, surname. And I said, Roda, which is Santiago's surname. So he looked at Santiago's identity card, looked at us and he said, are you cousins? And I said, no, 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 we're not cousins, but you've got the same surname. And I said, yes, because we got married in England and I changed my name. And he just said, this isn't England. Let's start again. Name, Sandra. Surname, Bruce. Okay, second surname. Um, I, I haven't got one. And he looked at um, my birth certificate and he said, your second surname? And I said, Bruce. And he said, oh, so your parents were cousins? And, and I no, no. I said, second surname? And Santiago, your your mother's maiden name, your mother's maiden name. And I said, I don't know. She couldn't remember. No, I just, I didn't know. I said, she's Mrs. Bruce, she's Ethel Bruce. So Santiago said to the... I had to apologize. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry. She can't well, remember. She can't remember now, we'll come back later. So and we went into the street. Near the door, in, a, in another doorway, I... Asked her, but can't you remember? And then we both remember, of course, Grandma Parker. So we went back in and Santiago says, she's remembered. So he's laughing with her. She's remembered, the English woman's remembered. Second surname, and I said, Parker. And he picked up his fountain pen and said, like the pens? And I said, yes, like the pens. <laughs> and I had been practicing my signature with Sandra Rudder. But that is when I became Sandra Bruce Parker. <laughs> I think that's a very confusing for a lot of people when they first come to live here, particularly yes. the Brits. You know, what is the family name? And what do you mean the family, family name? name? Yes. And often when you go to the hospital, they're saying familiar. Yes. Yes. Garcia, familiar, yes. whatever, because. They know there's one patient in the hospital, but the whole family will be there. Oh, yes. The parents or the brothers and sisters, the cousin, everybody moves as a family. Yes. The fun with the name was that about five years ago when I was sorting out my pension, I'd worked for two years in, in England and apparently you can well, have that. Bang. And before that, some odd jobs. And that could be added because I didn't reach the maximum years paying the health stamp. So I thought, oh, I, I tried to find my English number and I couldn't, I couldn't remember it. My mum uh, had already died. She usually kept all the papers. So in the end, I, I looked online 
and there was the form to ask for your was it social security number they uh, call it or yeah national national insurance <laughs> national yeah. insurance and uh, so it said you could you could download it but you had to fill it in and send it by mail and of course it came to name Sandra surname and I thought oh, did no, I change it before I left England is it still Bruce or did because I was so proud of the new surname or did I change it and I couldn't remember so I thought well I'll phone I did a Skype phone call and I got this charming lady from Scotland I had very great difficulty understanding and I said I need to fill in the form for my insurance number national insurance number and she said oh you get the form online I said yes I've got the form online I said, but I've got a slight problem. And she said, what? I said, I don't know my surname. So there was absolute silence, of course. I'm sure she was holding the mic saying, this woman's a nutter, you know. <laughs> and I said, no, no, you see, I left England shortly after getting married. So I don't know whether it's Sandra Rodder or Sandra Bruce. She said, oh, this, this, this is very strange. I said, well, could you just look on the computer? and she said okay and she started Sandra well we can't put the surname can we and I said no I said last address when living etc I gave all the information and I could hear the click 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 and she said oh yes and I said you found you found me she said yes I have I said what surname she said I'm not at liberty to say that sounds like the UK. <laughs> We're protecting you from yourself with data protection. Yeah, been there, got it, the T-shirt. Yeah. Yeah. I just thought that was just so funny. You know, I, I, I'm not... No, in the end, she's not getting that money. Click. No. <laughs> she forgot it, about it. No, I actually, I actually tossed a coin and I put Bruce. And a couple of months later, I did get the number through the post. But by that time, it was too late. But that was very funny. I've had fun with my name but my mum had more fun oh yes her letters they were addressed to goodness no all sorts of combinations of her oh, names sure. my, my two and her Roda Gil Gil Roda Santiago Roda yeah, Gil I'm, I'm sure I'm she sure. had the time of her life but the problem was in those old days she used to send us a check she used to send me a check at Christmas and on my birthday and it could come with a combination of it could be Parker, Rhoda, it could be anything. It's a good job. We knew a bank manager who just thought, just okay, what, in a village, what combination then. is it this time? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. The lighter side of things. <laughs> We've had fun as well. We've lived through a dictatorship together. Yes. We've lived through, through a, a, coup, a coup d'etat. A coup d'etat, yes. She was working away in a, in a factory teaching and somebody into the room where they were having three pupils and her and said 1936 again, again. Which was the beginning the of the civil war, war. so they all left and she got into we used to have a, a Citroen 2 CV mm -hmm. then she got into her car and all the car all the way from Niabechi about 30 kilometers it was to Almasora where we lived 
And all the cars were flashing her because she hadn't realized that she had the long lights on all the time. Yeah, yeah, so And fine. she was thinking, the only thing she was, haven't got any chicken at home. Haven't oh, got any chicken. <laughs> got to get chicken. Yeah, that we oh. lived through that. My worry was I hadn't got any batteries for the radio, so I went for batteries. Yeah. But a friend of ours here in Valencia, they lived there and his wife was working at, in, at hospital. And the neighbors and friends came to him and said, Paco, Paco, go downstairs to the to supermarket. the supermarket and get stopped because this... So he leaves the kids, goes downstairs, gets the trolley, goes around the supermarket and then pays. He comes back when he was in the lift on his way up. He looks at what he had bought, a bottle of gin <gasps> only. <laughs> Oh that that was that the stories of the military coup were were incredible. We had a friend who had a, a very small car, a six hundred, oh, yes. a new driver, and you know that Valencia was taken uh, right. with tanks in the street. It was very very frightening. Marshall, the law. only place in Spain. Yeah, and uh, he was coming out of coming out of hospital, the hospital the, and he was between two tanks. He didn't know what to and do. And a very, very small car. And he was like, now what do I do? How do you signal? Uh, uh, do, do you, you overtake, overtake a, a tank? tank? Uh oh, things like that. It was, now it's funny, then it wasn't. So I, it's been exciting and frightening. I mean, there is so much history between you two <laughs> of you coming to Spain when you were. A young girl. You yes. were so young. Yeah, I was very, very young. And that was before we had all the technology, all the translations. Yes. So just trying to like feed yourselves and was a challenge. And I wasn't worldly wise. I came from Yorkshire. Our family never had a car. There was no money for holidays or things like that. The only place I visited was London when my brother was living there but that's it that's it and everybody says to me you were so brave i wasn't brave i was ignorant i just thought that being youthful bravery when nothing frightens you you think you can do and it was i mean and people say would you do it again and I, yes mm -hmm. i'd do it again there were many times that i regretted doing it but yes, I would do it again. I don't know. I, if I'd have stayed in England, I would have probably stayed in Scarborough. Nothing against Scarborough. But now I've travelled a lot. I've, I've learned a lot about a different culture, totally different culture. But I think when you go to live in another country permanently, you become a different person. Totally. I totally agree with you, Sandra, when you say... You were young, but you were ignorant. And I felt very much the same when I first came to Spain. I didn't have a good grasp on the language at all. But the amount of things I accomplished, getting internet, working out, you know, bank accounts, yes. it was bravado that got me through. So exactly. I've got to do this bravado. job. I have no yeah. Spanish. I used to, I mean, luckily we had translation, the computer, yes. but, you know, writing things out and literally standing in front of somebody reading it in my best pigeon Spanish, yes. I got things done. Mm -hmm. yeah. But 
when you were so young and back in the day before we had all the technology, yeah. it makes you a different person yes. living in another country. Happens you have to take if you, on a when different you, When you change countries, your personality, your memories, your mind gets Everything. like different layers, different yeah. layers. You are not the same as if Sandra's got a sister. They were very close, very, very similar. But now she's a different woman totally from yeah, Sandra. We're, 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 yeah, it's, mm. it, you do it change. Like, yes, you do, you do change, yes. I've done things that I would never have done. I speaking a language that I would never have spoken. I also criticise more the British. I mean, I criticise the idea of the British that of, as colonialists, wherever they are, People should think uh, should do things their way, and I remember this is like an example. It's a silly example, but I remember we I we have English friends in Castillon, and my mum was over, her parents were over, and we went for a picnic, and suddenly my friend's mum said, "Oh, poor Santiago, he's the only foreigner," and there we were in Castillon, you know. And, well, and you see, I mean, he, he, he just laughed and my friend's husband rolled over laughing. He said, yeah, he's the only foreigner here in Castillo. <laughs> You're a guest in this country. And if you don't like it, pack your suitcases and go. I think that's a very valid point because there are a lot of people who move to Spain. This is I've only lived in Spain. I have no experience of living mm -hmm. in other countries. But there are a lot of people who come to Spain and then are fighting against the Spanish yes. system. No country is perfect. Mm. Every country has its frustrations with administration, legal, yes. Yes. absolutely any country. But some people are just, it's rather like bashing your head against the same brick wall yes. continually. Mm -hmm. yeah. You're either going to say, okay, I've got two choices. I can accept it and you move with the rhythm yes. of that country. Yes. Or you say, okay, this is not for, for me. me. I can't exactly. do it and I've just got to go back or try a different country or, or yeah. a different path. Yeah, that happened to my son. Uh, he went to work as a teacher in... Kirkby and Ashfield, which was actually actually my mum's town. He had a very, very bad time there. He couldn't work with that system. And there were a lot of underprivileged pupils and he had a bad it was his first post and he had a bad time. He gave it up after two years and he came back. And when he came back I said, um, listen, you've paid tax the tax you've paid you can probably get a lot back because they work out the tax on what they think you're going to get for the year and he said do you think it's worth it and i said if you're visiting there because he had friends there if you're visiting there go to the tax office and find out he said oh okay so he went and he went at nine o'clock in the morning and he was the first person so when the guy sat down at his desk my son walked over and he said, what's your number? And he said, oh, oh, I didn't get one. And he said, well, you can't sit down here if you haven't got your number. So he said, okay. And he went up, uh, pulled out, pulled the number out, number one. 
and then you heard uh, the screen went up number one and he went to the same guy and, and he said number one sit down and for me for my son that was totally ridiculous absolutely ridiculous it's not the said, spanish way it's not the spanish way i said no but they have their rules and you have to obey it i mean he found the my son found the english systems the way things were the strictness the rules uh for instance the tutor to a class and i remember he said do you remember the monty python's film the meaning of life there's a scene where john cleaves gives the instructions if you're going to have your hair cut you hang your coat on the third peg from the left etc and jimmy said it was like that he said i had pages and pages of instructions for when they could where they could hang their coat where they could and he said when i finished reading them i said did anybody understand that and they all said yes sir and he was <laughs> totally trying. different totally anyway when you go to a different country and learn another language etc there's a point where you have to decide whether you want to be like those people or not it's like a religious conversion i know people who have start started studying french and abandoned it because at one point they realized that to improve to better their french they had to accept and think and behave like french people and so they didn't want any of that <laughs> and stopped a lot of people come over to spain maybe they're retired yes and i think they really really there struggle was yeah mike mike in you know javier mm -hmm. there was uh, this pub british owned for british people and mike found a, a retired major from the british army you know oh, the ones okay. we the ones with oh, the, the handlebar yes. mustache <laughs> so they started talking oh you've settled here yes yes it's lovely here it's, and anyway i've come here because at home it is terrible you know the lots of colored people they don't integrate they don't do not want to integrate it's terrible there so i came here and how long have you been living here oh, i've been here eight years he said say have you can you speak spanish oh don't bother with the lingo yeah, it was, it's a joke yeah. anyway i well i can tell that when i was 70 i started to learn romanian 70 i'm 70 nearly 77 now and you started to learn romanian yeah. at 70. and i continue i mean uh, almost fluent in Romanian. that is amazing yeah. i mean another thing about learning another language is it's just so good for our brains all the yes, scientists yes. are saying they say that the puzzles slows um yes yeah, dementia, dementia yeah uh, by about five years no, well, he's going to live forever mm -hmm. then <laughs> well, you're looking good on it. You're looking good yeah. on it. Can right. I just say, I am so glad that we've actually got my first husband and wife team. <laughs> it's been an absolute pleasure. It's been a pleasure for us. No, I felt very, very comfortable. Very comfortable. Yes, with you. thank you well, very much. Santi and Sandra, thank you so much. I'm going to mark this as a big win today. <laughs> and it's just amazing your stories mm -hmm. over the years and just 
you obviously picked the right girl. I did. And I Sandra, did, yes. no, you have no have doubt. picked the right, right boy. Guy. Well, thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank, thank, you. thank you very you. much. Thank, thank you. you. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. Please subscribe on whatever platform you are using. It is free. And if you would like to tell your story, please contact me on allaboutyoupodcast at yahoo.com and let's tell your story.